Hello and welcome to Pint Glass Gaming. As always, I'm Gary, joined by my best friend Daniel. Hello. So episode three. Who knew we'd come this far? Started at the bottom, and now we're here. Now we're still on the bottom. You know. We got 31 listeners. We want to thank all 31 of you. All uphill from here. Thank you. Also, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> so before we get to our game of the week, Daniel, why don't you tell us about what you're playing this week? Uh, well, on your urging, I have been putting my nose to the grindstone on Persona 5. And uh, yeah, it's it's good. You know, for look, if if Yahtzee Croshaw, the, the man who hates JRPGs even more than me, can enjoy the Persona series, I can enjoy the Persona series. And so far, yeah, it's it's good. Like, the turn-based combat is not an impediment to my enjoyment of the story. Uh, it's not blindingly difficult. Uh, and the story is really interesting. I do find it funny that uh, you're basically playing a gang of thieves who also play uh, internet PR. Uh, I'm up to the point where I'm it's getting a little bit funny. Yeah. It's, it's up to the point where I'm literally getting called out by anonymous, which is kind of funny. Now to put this all into perspective, this, this is no small victory for me because I have been begging Daniel to play persona five for at least two years. And now like, I, almost, I almost nonstop too. <laughs> thought I was getting a little irritating, but that's just me. Look, when the time comes to play Half-Life, I'm going to start begging you to play that. I have gone to great lengths to be able to play Half-Life, and I tried the uh, I tried the Dreamcast version, and I really liked it, but there's something with the save file on the Dreamcast version, because it's not a complete game, where the file just keeps getting larger and larger, and at some point becomes unplayable, so you have to stop. Yeah, look, Half-Life Half is a PC game. It is a game that you, you, you don't you don't play the console ports. You play it on PC because that, that, that's where it's meant to be played. That, that, that would be like playing God. That would be like playing God of War on the PC. Oh, wait. Oopsie. <laughs> so or like, play, or like playing Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, right. Son of a We're bitch. really running out of stuff. This week uh, I started. I got a game. A couple of months back when Sony had a pretty big sale, I got it for like 16 bucks. Dying Light. And I am really, really enjoying it. There, There is a big catharsis to running around with a wrench and hitting zombies in the face. Well, if And there's like, parkour, too. Well, if you like running around with tools, hitting, you know, hitting enemies, Half-Life might just be up your alley. Episode to come. I also played Pokemon Sword. Because I want to, I played through Shield. That was the one that was my main game. Have all of my good Pokemon on that, and I just wanted to play through Sword to complete the Pokédex yes. before the games come out. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet come out in November. Plus, yes. my son likes it too. For 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 but, context here, Gary is one of those weird degenerates that will buy both versions and play through them both to completion and beyond. It's the way it has always been. Uh, there's not many. Pokemon games that I have not bought both of. Uh, I want to mention now the lack of the National Pokédex, which is an abomination, and the Pokemon Company should be greeted with pitchforks and torches over it, because I have Pokemon that I have been playing with 
since at very least the end of high school, and I should be able to play with them again. I mean, so, this is to I, all my wonder, friends. I Pour one out for my Pokemon Omis. I wonder how, they, how they'd work that though. Like considering how the technology has changed over the years, like how, how do you how, how do you get you know how do you get your freaking hey how do you get trade the Zapdos from your red blue yellow onto the newest editions of all these things? Well, I not from that far back, but the DS games I have. I transferred when the DS had the both the DS game slot and the Game Boy Advance slot. I took Pokemon off of Pokemon Ruby, moved them up to the DS, and throughout the generations of DS games, you could still move them up. So I have Pokemon right now sitting on Pokemon Home on the Switch. I can't put them in Sword and Shield, but they're just sitting in Pokemon Home. I have them from the Game Boy Advance version of Ruby. I do. Good Lord. And uh, the fact that I can't use them. It's terrible. Work on that, Pokemon Company. You know, spe- speaking of, you know, did you, I just realized a you know completely unrelated tangent. Well, slightly unrelated tangent. We like those. Yeah. Um, thinking about Smash Brothers in this regard. Nintendo, basically, they own the Pokemon Company. But Smash Brothers is not exclusively developed by Nintendo. What is what is the company they partner with to develop Smash Brothers? Well, Namco, Namco isn't it? Namco yeah. Bandai. And guess what property Namco Bandai owns the rights to? What, Digimon? Yeah. Why have we not seen Digimon in Smash Brothers? For God's sake. I, I bet you Nintendo's saying outright prohibition since it's their direct competitor. I want would be my, awesome though. I want my goddamn Renamon versus Lucario match, okay? Just 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 give that to me, please. Versus I mean, I, DDD. Yeah, there you go. I know they're not going to put any more characters in the game cuz I think they've basically completed, you know, anything they're going to do on Smash Ultimate, but Smash Ultimate has been completed, confirmed. Like, like come on though. Like, they're just leaving money on the table there. When I mean, Joker know... from Persona 5 came out, that was the first new main that I decided to have. How long had I been playing with DDD? King DDD has been my main since Brawl, you know, since since the very beginning of Brawl, like which 2007, 2008ish. Yeah. 15, well, at, at at that point it was like it was like over 10 years, 10 years of DDD and then and then Joker comes along and I could I could understand it though. Your 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 fanaticism of Persona is um Almost as almost as fervent as my fanaticism for everything Brandon Sanderson does. Though we'll I kind of got you, I kind of got you addicted on him as well. So, ah, progress is slow. But another piece of video game news I want to talk about. Speaking of Persona, is that the the pre-orders dropped today for the special edition versions of the Switch and Xbox version of Persona Five Royal. If anyone's looking to get your hands on those. But since it's an Atlas special edition, they are overpriced. I am also on. I, I am also a um, completely and utterly against pre-ordering anything at this point. Though I did remember, just, I did just pre-order Destiny Two Lightfall. So, like we said, it's if it's a sure thing. I have played more Persona Five than any game within the last ten years. It's a sure thing. And to be able to bring it with me on the Switch is going to be a big deal. So. Yeah, and I've I've logged over four thousand hours of Destiny Two since I picked it back up, like three years ago. So, yeah, 
It's like, I'm going to play Lightfall. <laughs> I can't, I can't kid myself there. I'm going to play it. I might as well buy it now. <sighs> but other than that, right. I'm never pre-ordering anything again. For now. Gaming news. Let's talk. All right. Well, I guess it has to be addressed. This is the first post-Queen Elizabeth podcast episode. As a total Anglophile, I feel like I should mention this. Queen, oh, yeah. say what you want. Historically relevant. Honestly, kind of a remarkable woman. Uh, yeah. Hey, look, look, I, look. I, I would never bow to her. I would never call her any of the, you know, the honorifics because, hey, I'm still an American. So, but hey, good head of state. I thought they, you know, I thought they dissolved the monarchy or something, you know, after her death. Because how do you follow that up, really? How, how do you follow up the the longest lasting head of state? in our modern era, like quite possibly longest reigning head of state of all time. Like to just, just pack up the monarchy. It's done. Just, 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 It's surreal. Death taxes Queen Elizabeth. I thought she'd outlive me to tell you the truth. I make questionable health decisions. We also thought Betty White would outlive us all. And, you know, reality uh, comes to us from, yeah, from time to time. Nothing can stop the slow march of time. So in more cheery news, Splatoon 3 released this week uh what's your opinion on the series daniel uh interesting i played it de- i played it decently enough the original and it's a clever concept you know basically jizzing all over the floor instead of shooting each other you know for you know to win the game but you know i kind of got bored with it with it after a while because aside from painting the floor and then inking everyone else what else is there to do in the game Ski tune. <laughs> ski tune. <laughs> uh, even an octopus of 24s can get skied on. You know, I, I really enjoyed the first game. Second game expanded on that, but I can't help but think. All right, so they added more of the co-op. They have that salmon spawning game, too. But I just feel like this is a cash grab. We shouldn't have another installment of Splatoon on the same console generation. It's $60 DLC. I mean, Tekken 8 just got announced, and you know that's on the same console generation. We got to cut it out. Well, there's no reason. And again, how long has Tekken 7 been out? It's like, been like 10 years at this point or something like that. Yeah, I'd say close. Yeah, so that's a little more understandable. But yeah, I, I understand it. Like, I, I, is there a cutoff time to where you can do a sequel on the same console generation for something like for a game like for a competitive game and not make it seem like a cash grab? Or is, or is there like a minimum amount of innovation you have to make? I think that's the benchmark. It's it's how much innovation's coming out of it. And based on what I've seen. All right. There's new clothes there's a cup there's a weapon type or two there's it's more of the same in my opinion i'm not pleased i mean 60 bucks it's a lot of money that is i don't think it's justified uh other games that have been announced we we had nintendo last nintendo direct announced some awesome things so legend of zelda breath of the wild 2 is no longer called breath of the wild 2 uh, it is called Tears of the Kingdom, if I recall. So, ha- wait, how does a kingdom cry? It, 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 it's not a, it's not a physical thing. It's like it, it's a concept. I think everyone in the kingdom like, is crying. Uh, well, 
I don't know, but it says Tears of the Kingdom. Like, uh, yeah, like as the the, king- the, the like, populace. Yeah, but but it doesn't. It, it's like waterfalls. Waterfalls don't actually exist. It's it's, it's just a concept of water going down. <sighs> Head explodes. Yeah, exactly. Think about that. As my friend Jason always says, waterfalls they don't exist. They're they're, they're just water. And the bun dead. is in your mind. Exactly. Your opinion of Breath of the Wild in general? Uh, thoroughly enjoyable. Uh, I played through, I played through it uh, both on regular and master mode. A lot of fun, but once I played through it, you know, don't really feel any need to go back to it. And I played through it, and I was satisfied. And I really, but I really wasn't craving more. Like you, you ever play like a game that is so good that once you're done with it, you're almost like you, you're almost in shock. And you're playing like, it right now. Yeah, it's it's like it's Persona Five. Oh yeah, yeah. But oh okay, yeah. But uh, yeah, there's games. Uh, you know. Like for me, it was Witcher three. Like I played through all of Witcher three, and I you know I played through the two um the two DLCs, Hearts of Stone and Blood Blood and Wine, and I'm like, wait, wait, it's over? No, no, I I need more. Like please, it's over. That was the good thing about Skyrim too, because technically the game never ends because it'll just keep throwing quests at you. I mean, yeah, but at some point they 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 sort of get samey, so I can understand, but like. I wanted so much more with Witcher and I loved it, but I, I, I felt empty at the end. Cause I'm like, no, please, please. Well, I, I gotta say as the series has continued with the legend of Zelda, I have absolutely loved many games in the series, but to be honest, besides remakes that came out on the 3ds for Ocarina of time and Majora's mask, I've never gone back and revisited them. Yeah. It depends. It just on the ties game. it up nicely for you. You know, it's done. Yeah. You know, there, there are some games where it, when it's over, I'm satisfied and I don't need to play more. But there's some games that I just get so involved and so engrossed and I fall so in love with it that once it's over, like I, I, I feel this like pit this like void in my soul that I'm like, no, please, please, game. I want some more. Another game that was announced. Uh, this is another series that people probably hear a lot about from me and that is the yakuza series ah another another classic export there is a version now the yakuza games are obviously games about the modern japanese gangsters but there is a a sort of subsection of these games that never came to the states that take place in feudal japan and sega basically just announced that we are getting the HD remake of that series, uh, Like a Dragon Ishin. And I could not be any more excited about that. That money's spent. <laughs> Once again, I won't pre-order it, but if I do get the itch for something like that, I, 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 will, I will pick it up once it's out. The series is awesome. It tells great stories, but they're, they're equal parts melodrama and ridiculousness. So you'll be taking down an entire crime syndicate by yourself with nothing but your bare hands. And then you'll be fighting a mob boss who has a fetish that sees him dress up like a baby in a diaper. It's it's ludicrous. It's serious. It's everything. I can appreciate that, which is probably so, why Resident Evil 4 is one of my favorite games, because that 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 game will lurch from the serious to the comedic. Maybe I really should check that out. I highly recommend it. 
there were a number of other great games that were announced. I really suggest everyone take a look at the Nintendo Direct. But with that said, why don't we move on to the game of the week? But before we we do, uh, before we go to the game of the week, which is Super Castlevania 4, why don't we take a listen to the brand new, all improved Pint Glass Gaming theme song? So there you have it. Oh, I didn't even know we were getting a new theme song. I like to keep things interesting. Let's move on to Super Castlevania 4. I've got a little bit of information for everyone. You ready, Daniel? Uh, am I ever ready? No. (laughs) Well, then do it anyway. Game Overview and Facts. Super Castlevania 4 was released in North America on December 4th, 1991, which is honestly a terrible day to release a video game because most of the Christmas shopping's already been done at that point. Was that before or after the Soviet Union fell? I think it might have been just after. So that's what went wrong. Ah. It was originally released on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, but was subsequently released on the Wii, Wii U, 3DS and as part of the Castlevania Anniversary Collection, which is now available on the PS4 Switch, Steam, and Xbox One. It has a Metacritic user score of 8.3, so it's a solid B+, just like all of my grades were. Daniel, what is your history with this game? I'll admit I did not play this until just around high school when I discovered the joy of Super Nintendo emulators. It was ZSNES... And I forget who I got it from, but a whole CD-ROM of nothing but Super Nintendo, uh, Super Nintendo ROMs. And this was one of the ones that I think I actually played the most. Uh, between this, was it uh, Gundam Wing Endless Duel? Because I used to be big into fighting games. Oh God, what else did I play? But yeah, uh, that was uh, that was only when I uh, when I actually started playing this, and most Castlevania, to be honest. Actually, I think my very first Castlevania game, you're going to laugh, was a Castlevania 64. Oh, I'm not even getting started on that. That's an episode all in itself. <laughs> that that <laughs> game has... Yourselves. Oh, my God. I, I have, like I said, we're going we're gonna to do an episode of that. But that game has what I think is the worst segment in the history of gaming. Oh, I, I know just, which one you're thinking of. So just wait for that episode. It's on the list. My history with uh, Super Castlevania. During the 16-bit era, I was firmly in the Sega camp. One of the things that I historically do is I always bet on the losing horse. So Sega was my company. I really enjoyed WCW, and I probably would have bought Enron stock. So I was firmly in the Sega camp, and I didn't own a Super Nintendo until about 2015. So I was already a man. This was one of the games very similar to Star Fox or Super Mario World or Chrono Trigger that made me very, very jealous of my friends that did have a Super Nintendo. And I would go to their houses and I'd play this game for hours. But uh, as we learned last week with Banjo-Kazooie, fond memories don't always translate to a fresh rating. Sadly. Let's talk a little bit about the storyline. 
storyline. Now, the Super Castlevania 4 storyline is actually very interesting because depending on what region you're playing it in dictates what the story is. Because in Japan, this is a straight up remake of the first Castlevania game. Really? I, I actually didn't know that. Yes, uh, in the Japanese market, this is just a retelling of the first game with a new soundtrack and all new game mechanics. And that's what their instruction manual and their guides say. For hours, Simon Belmont apparently didn't do a good enough job killing Dracula the first time, and he has to come back, or I guess the first and second time, and he has to come back and kill Dracula again. So it's a direct sequel to Castlevania II Simon's Quest. This has caused confusion to this very day in the Castlevania timeline, because there are two Castlevania timelines. There's the Japanese one, and then there's ours. And they've tried to consolidate it, but it's just made it extremely confusing. In a nutshell, you're in Transylvania. Transylvania has an issue in that every hundred years, people get bored and they think it's a really cool idea to try and resurrect Dracula. You'd think they'd fucking learn after the first time. So the Belmont clan, they are a family of vampire hunters who rise to the occasion to come and kill Dracula every time that he gets up. So it's every hundred years is a new Belmont. They pass down the family heirloom, which, you know, some people get teapots as family heirlooms. The Belmonts pass down the vampire killer whip. And interestingly enough, only a Belmont or a descendant thereof can wield the vampire killer whip. Fun fact, I believe in the uh, Bram Stoker story Dracula, uh, Quincy Morris is actually tagged as the Belmont descendant as per Castlevania storylines. Yes, Dracula is, according to Konami, canon in the Castlevania series. So Bram Stoker's story fits right in because at some point the Belmonts marry the, into the Morris family and the Morris family become the ones that are passing down the whip and end up killing Dracula. So that is an interesting piece of trivia. You're Simon Belmont and you have to go through the Transylvania countryside, go up to Dracula's house, ding dong ditch him, and then whip him in the head. There's your story. Let's talk a little bit about the gameplay. Gameplay. When you start Castlevania 4, like many other Castlevania games, the first thing that you do is you walk up to a closing drawbridge, which is an interesting to me because Dracula should then probably not leave it open. Yeah, terrible, terrible home security. Dr Dracula makes some very, very questionable decisions that pretty much ensure that he is going to die. But it keeps things interesting. Super Castlevania 4 is an action platform taking place over 11 stages of increasing difficulty. Mainstays of the Castlevania series are here as well. You have your sub weapons, the dagger, the holy water, axe, stopwatch, and my absolute favorite, the cross. What's your favorite sub weapon on this one, Daniel? In this one? Honestly, uh, you know what? Get back to me on that because I have, I, I have a very interesting thing to talk about in terms of the special weapons in this game. Deal. So the cross is definitely my favorite. We have this saying in the Castlevania fandom, crosses kill bosses. They're expensive, but they are effective. So there's plenty of items to pick up here. There are small and large hearts. The smalls are worth one. Your large hearts worth five. And your hearts don't give you health. They're the ammunition needed to use your sub weapons. Now, there's also these bronze and silver little icons that read two or three. Now, for years, for years, I thought 
that those two were point bonuses. So if you got to the end of the level, you would either get two times the points or three times the points. But they're not. Those dictate how many of your sub-weapons you could use at one time. Wait, really? Yes. So you can throw three crosses if you have the three and two and so forth. I was, like, last week years old yeah. before I figured <laughs> that out. You learn something new every day. So there I am thinking I'm getting a point bonus, and it's like going to the register and not looking at your change, because I, I didn't figure out that I walked away with the exact same amount of points yeah. at you the know, end of it. You know, to be fair, only a few years ago um, did the Punch-Out speedrunning community find out an actual secondary tell during matches. Like... There was actually like a camera person in the crowd where once their camera flash goes off, that was a tell for certain uh, for certain uh, enemies to initiate their punches. When it comes to classic games, sometimes you just miss things. There's a lot of secrets left out there. Sometimes everyone misses things for 30 years. (laughs) If you're getting low on health, there are various pork chops hidden around the levels. There's a small one and a large one. Once again, Dracula's questionable decisions. Why are you hiding food in the walls? Look, you gotta save it for later. I mean, even Dracula needs some midnight snacks. (laughs) Bleh, bleh. I come to suck your ham, bleh. (laughs) This game is the first in the Castlevania series to use what I lovingly refer to as the flaccid whip mechanic. So if you hold your attack button, your whip will go soft, and then you can swing it around in 360 degrees. You can spin it right round, right round, like a record, baby. Just just don't go to whipspin.org. Or whiplemonparty.org. Yeah, exactly. Stage one, right? It's known as the Ruined Mansion. Now, this was always confusing for me because you're in an area that abso- that looks like a castle, like it should be part of Castlevania, and then the next level... You're outside again, so this always confused me because I didn't have an instruction manual or anything when I played it. But So this is like a guest house. This is a gatehouse and not actually part of Castlevania. It's a great intro stage. I'm going to play a little excerpt of the stage music here. This is a total classic. Check this out. Get your groove going. great introduction to the game mechanics there are two layers that you can travel in between there's a foreground and a background and the stage boss is the skeletal horseman known as rodane or in japan simply skull horse and skull king really great introductory level daniel what do you think of the first level like you said great introductory level um it didn't give you too much of a problem though i think it does um it highlights something very interesting that i can't can't get out of my mind a while back a few years ago the uh semi well famous youtuber at this point aaron hansen better known as ego raptor responsible for one of my least favorite youtube channels of all time game grumps <sighs> freaking ruin ruining let's plays like with their nonsense humor not even talking about oh, okay okay i will save i will save my rant on let's plays for another time but before that he did a YouTube video about Castlevania and he uh, comparing Castlevania one and two. And he did a sequel to that about Castlevania four. And he pointed out something that I just can't get out of my head. One 
Simon is way bigger on the screen in this game than a lot of other platformers. Like his sprite takes up a lot more of the screen. So you don't see a lot of the rest of the stage as you scroll by, which I found to be kind of odd, but it kind of worked for this uh, for this game. I didn't feel that much of an impediment. It just kind of seemed weird. The bigger thing was that the sub weapons, the cross, the holy water, the axe, the knife felt kind of useless to me. And he point and uh, Eager Raptor pointed this out in his video because in the original in the original games like one, two and so on, you did not have nearly as much control over the whip as you do in Super Castlevania four. In the in the original, all you could do was whip forward. And God forbid you if you jumped and whipped at the same time, because that animation that animation was going whether you wanted it to or not. But in this game, you have a lot more aerial control. You can whip diagonally upwards and downwards while in the air. So the uh, the types of ways you can attack with the whip in this game are so many so much more varied, and the sub weapons don't feel as though they do a lot of damage to justify their use and their range is kind of eh i would say the angle of the attack of the axe is kind of iffy the knife is kind of just straight up useless in this so i think the, not, the dagger has been it's it always is useless but not not all the time but do see you see I, I'm by? I i don't know i am so proficient with these damn sub weapons like i can nail stuff with the axe it's just because of how long I've been playing this game. And the, I think the cross, I will mow through bosses with that. Because you, you, the thing is, you have to use them in conjunction. It, the sub weapon's not a thing where you throw it out and you kind of just let it go. Later on in the game, there's a two-headed dragon boss. You stand in the right place, you chuck that cross out, and you, and you whip at the same time, they're done. Like, three, two, one. Oh, I got him. Yeah, so, well, that's true. So I guess, and, they're, yeah, they're not completely yeah. useless, I guess. And the big sprite, that was what the jump from the NES to the SNES was all about. Just those big, gigantic sprites. They were just showing off. It was it was like, oh, okay, weird flex. I'd love to see your background, but I can't. Only this muscly dude. <laughs> that's, that's like Gold Schlager. Oh you, oh, you put gold in your liquor. Weird flex, but okay. Get it? So flex, I, I want to talk briefly about the second stage of this game, because... My favorite, this has to be one of my favorite enemy types in the history of gaming. Uh, It's spread around stage two with pretty good frequency. And that is the, what I call the demon armadillo. Which one is that? There is a, there is an armadillo enemy that I don't know how Dracula convinced the armadillo to serve him, but he's, it's this ridiculous little thing. It curls up into a ball. It pops up. It's just an armadillo. Oh, it's an armadillo. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about, but yeah, this, there, there is a weird variety of enemies within Dracula's castles. Like you wonder where he gets the time to go globe trotting and find all these things and recruit them. You know, he, he has a, a host of trained armadillos that he has throughout the castle. It's insane. And another thing, what, what's the deal? I think that there's a mistake in this game because, oh, oh. The boss in the second level shows up in part two, and then you get through her and you go to the third part of the level and you kind of just walk through and it ends 100% anticlimactically. Were they subverting expectations? Because that's always a stupid idea. Thank you, Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's another rant that we may get into some, some other time. It's dead. I'm not kicking the horse. Star Wars is dead. 
Eh, yeah. I, I mean, I stopped paying attention to it years ago. But... So another thing in the first section of the level, you can see a little Dracula's castle and it's supposed to look like it's in the distance, but for some reason they drew it on the foreground. So instead of looking like Dracula's castle in the distance, it more closely resembles a castle for ants. <laughs> what is this? A haunted castle for ants? Has to be at least 10 times this size. There are 11 stages. I won't go through all of them, but one section of the game that I have to mention, I would be remiss if I did not mention, was the fourth stage where basically the entire castle spins. Oh, now that, there, that gave me motion sickness, I have to admit. And it's very difficult <laughs> for the fourth level. It's far and away, in my opinion, the hardest segment of the game. It takes patience. It takes timing. I have neither of those things. So it was always a trial to get through. And quite frankly, no other console of that generation could pull off the effects that you were seeing with the spinning. It's a real spectacle to behold. You know, thinking about it, that might also be why uh, Simon's sprite in the game was so big. It may have been a stealth ploy to preserve processing power. So they didn't have to render... A lot, you know, even more stuff in the background if the sprite was smaller. Could be. The bosses in this game are pretty awesome. Any favorites on that count, Daniel? Man, that's a that's a toughie. I don't know. They they all seem they they they, they all had sort of the same level of challenge to me. I have to admit. So, but you're more of the Castlevania expert here, so I'd like to hear your opinion. One thing I will say is many of these bosses end up making a reappearance in Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which is probably my second favorite game of all time. So the last level, when you're in Dracula's Castle Keep, and you have to go through a gauntlet, including Slagra, which is this bird-like creature, almost looks like the evil snapping turtle from the Ninja Turtles movies. I don't remember. I think that was Toka. Razor was the dog. But it looks like that. Then you have to go on to Gabon, which is this flying gargoyle-like creature that spits fireballs everywhere. Then you have the Castlevania mainstay, which is your death battle. I do, Battles I against do the Grim it. Reaper. I do find it amusing how somehow Dracula has managed to recruit the literal judge and carrier out of death itself. I feel like the hierarchy is questionable there, that yeah. death is a subordinate. Maybe it's just like an apprentice, like Mort in, you know, in Discworld or something. I, I felt like in later games, they made it more like they were buddies, which makes sense to me. Like, hey, this is my pal. Didn't but to say, oh, he's my master. Yeah, eh. In the late in the later games, didn't they start calling him Shaft? No, Shaft's the dark priest. Oh, right. OK, yeah, I, I keep getting. Yeah, he's one mean mother. Yeah. Shut your mouth. <laughs> I'm just talking about Shaft. Right on. The Dracula fight is actually kind of easy. That that was the most disappointing fight in the entire game because I think everything else was harder. Yeah, I had no problem with them at all. You use the flaccid whip to get rid of the fireballs. You jump over, you hit him in the head. There was no real meaningful second part of the fight. I'm always used to Dracula morphing into something worse. Didn't really happen here yeah you know, it might, the... yeah it might also have been once again you know a a question of um question of processing power like could they you know what what could more could they have done you know with how good it looks especially on the super nintendo 
you know, how much, how, how much farther could they have gone with, you know, rendering something even bigger? You know, do, and do, and do you know what else is- really grinds my gears? And I hate when games do this. So I should be the one responsible for beating Dracula. It should be, he died by my hand. That's not what happens. You hit Dracula in the head for the last time. He kind of looks at you with starry eyes. And then the window breaks and sun hits him. And that's what kills him. So it was some kids outside playing baseball that actually killed Dracula. Thinking about it that way is actually kind of amusing to me. You go through all this and it wasn't even you. It's a great game. I have a total love for the Castlevania series as a whole. I don't think there are many bad games, Castlevania 64, in the series. But even the bad games have a charm to them and they're worth playing. Now that we've discussed our gameplay, why don't we head to our final verdict? Final verdict, skunky or fresh? Well, I don't think it'll be much of a surprise for me, you know, or you, that I certainly think this one is definitely still fresh. I still found this very fun to play. You know, the platforming was very well done. It still feels smooth and, you know, easy. You know, e- it's easy to play. It may be hard, you know, hard, hard to master, but easy to pick up, I think. And it still feels like that. And despite the, you know, despite the, you know, the slight, uh, you know, the slight quirks that I did bring up, those did not nearly impede my enjoyment of this game. If you do like platformers, especially classic ones, this one is still definitely worth playing. I agree. And th- there is a lot here. <laughs> this is such a great game. The soundtrack is awesome. And even the tracks that they recycled, they redid them for the SNES chip and they just sound great. It's easy for you to pick up and play, but there are some advanced techniques like moonwalking up the stairs and kind of whipping around. It's such a joy to play. This is one of the best games ever made. I don't know how this only has an 8.3 user score. This should be up in the nines. Because it's Metacritic, and Metacritic is a made of bunch of fucking morons. The mechanics are so tight. The jumps are perfect. I love this game. This game is 100% fresh. So I think it is time, Daniel, for us also, before we head out, to talk about what the next game of the week is going to be. My God, what possibly could it be? So I'm going to pull up our handy dandy list. We're going to see exactly what we're going to be playing. Oh, this is a good one. This is interesting, Daniel. Drum roll, please. Our next selection for Game of the Week is the Nintendo Entertainment System's Little Nemo the Dream Master. We want to thank you guys for listening into our podcast this week. Please don't forget that you can also check us out on Instagram and YouTube. YouTube, we've got some exciting projects coming up. We're going to have an episode of Pint Glass Gaming on Splatterhouse. There will also be in the coming weeks a Pint Glass Travels episode while I am in France. So I'm going to be bringing you footage from Paris as well as Colmar in France. And we hope that you'll tune into that. For now, this has been Pint Glass Gaming. See you next time.